and welcome to the very last Mary Trump show of 2022, a year I am so happy to put in the rearview mirror with me. I'm really happy to have Jennifer Rubin, uh, Washington Post columnist, author most recently of Resistance, How Women Save Democracy from Donald Trump uh, and uh, another, how they're going to have to keep doing it, I think. Jed, it's so good to see you. I really appreciate your being here in the middle of a holiday. Nice to be here. I must confess, I've been a little bit unplugged. And, you know, as soon as you do that and you become a civilian again, you sort of get some perspective on life, you know? Yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> no, I have to do that, actually, because, um, you know, and it's okay because I, I more than talking about what's been going on, uh, I, I kind of wanted to talk about where we've been and maybe end with uh, what we're looking forward to. Great. Um, it has once again been something of a year. Um, yeah. I didn't think it was possible that for the third, well, no, since 2016, I didn't think it was possible that I would still be in a position to say, next year can't possibly be worse right. and then have it be worse. So I'd like to I'd like to end that very bad cycle. I kind of felt that the end of 2022 was sort of good. Maybe I'm being Pollyannish about it, but between the midterms and Zelensky coming and um, the economy seeming to, you know, kind of settle where it's supposed to be. Um, and a lot of hoopla celebrating Nancy Pelosi's career, which has been magnificent. Yeah. I feel a little bit up, which is always dangerous because <laughs> my uh, expectations get raised and, you know, disaster is right around the corner. But I'm feeling better about 2022 than I was about 2021. And part of it certainly is the uh, January 6th committee and the walls closing in on uh, the former guy. Um, and part of it is that the Republicans have gone from scary to ridiculous. They've gone, you know, from Donald Trump to George Santos. And I think, you know, they're in danger of becoming you know, the butt of a lot of people's jokes. Um, so listen, buffoons can be dangerous too. Everyone thought Hitler was a buffoon. Everyone thought Mussolini was a buffoon. So you got to watch it. But right. I still am feeling a little bit better. Actually, I hear it in your voice. And that that uh, that makes me feel better because, um, you know, this will surprise people perhaps, but I am uh, by nature a very optimistic person. And that's been severely challenged in yeah. the last six years um, for all of the reasons. And I, I kind of don't trust myself to be hopeful <laughs> anymore. So when other people whose opinions and perspectives I respect say, you know, this year was better than it, certainly better than it could have been and it bodes well for next year, I'll take it. <laughs> because as good as it, as as 2022 was in some ways, uh, it also feels like we've been put through the ringer again. Um, yes. uh, right. Unlike the tens of thousands of people I had to deal with at airports and on airplanes last week, COVID is still a thing. Um, and I'm thrilled. Actually, you know what? I I was probably the only person, only Democrat disappointed by the midterms because I thought we were going to do better. Everybody was like just 
anticipating total disaster. So the midterms were phenomenal. I mean, I think we can say that it was they were an absolute debacle for the Republican Party. On the other side of that, though, is is how untenable it is to head into every election cycle feeling like the fate of the planet depends on the results. Um, exactly. Right. And, you know, everything that doesn't get done before the Republicans get into power is a potential catastrophe. They didn't solve the debt ceiling problem. So yeah. that looms, you know, we get yeah. a meltdown of the entire economy. Um, you know, they got some things done. They got the Electoral Count Act reform done, which I think was very good. They got funding for Jack Smith and the Justice Department, mm -hmm. at least through the end of September. Very good. Yeah. They got another batch of funding for Zelensky and the Ukrainians. Very mm -hmm. good. But you have to wonder and worry that everything that has not been done um, will, of course, be a disaster because the Republicans now combine complete destructiveness with complete incompetence. So it is a very, you really feel like, um, you know, the Senate and the White House are going to keep have to keep us from going off the cliff. It's gotten so bad, even the Republicans in the Senate have contempt for the Republicans in the House. That's how bad it's gotten. And, and that's really saying something. Um, yeah. But it's it's sort of a perfect description, destructive and ridiculous. Uh, and the ridiculous can be very dangerous in their destructiveness. Uh, it also sounds a lot like a good description of Donald Trump. But I, I think the good news is that... Um, Don, I think Donald is much less of a threat to America than he is to the Republican Party. I, I agree with that. And, you know, I'm curious what your take is, um, since you are the expert on all things Donald. Do you think, I know it's hard to say he's decomposed more, but do you think he is decomposing more readily now that the prosecution seems so imminent and he is no longer, you know, the newest novelty for the Republican Party. He just seems so pathetic. Yeah, it's it's really funny. I just wrote an article for the New Republic um, about kind of what what he his month, what his December was like, but what it means if we allow the Republicans to pretend that Donald's the problem, um, and they use his latest troubles and his use his latest embarrassments like the non-fungible digital trading card nonsense uh, as as an off-ramp to pretend, oh, it's just him. We're fine because yes. they're not fine. Yeah. Um, and and what's funny is that I had said uh, I'd written that watching not that anybody should have pity for Donald at all. He's a terrible person and he's destroyed lives. But watching him decompensate publicly is not that's not good for anybody. It's just he was the leader, shockingly and and tragically, he was the leader of the free world. He was the most powerful person on the planet. He's still the most powerful Republican in the country, which makes him one of the most powerful people in the in the country. And my editor changed decompensate to decompose, which <laughs> is a word you just used. And I didn't catch it. And then I was like, well, actually, watching him decompose publicly would be very troubling. But um, he's definitely decompensating. Yeah. Uh, and and it's so it's an interesting wordplay because I guess in some ways he's probably decomposing too. Um, right. I mean, certainly his support is eroding. And um, it is, 
you know, I, I'm always loath to say, yeah, it's, it's over, you know, because I kind of I end my piece by saying, yeah, the walls are closing in, but they've been closing in for five decades and they're still open. So I don't think we can ever count him out, unfortunately. But there's definitely a, you can see it in how tiny his world has become. You can see it in his isolating himself in a way that doesn't have anything to do with COVID. <laughs> um, and his his weird bouts of uh, temper tantrums on whatever it's called and his weird bouts of silence. Um, so I even go out. He's not even having his rallies, which he used to live for. This was like the thing that, you know, drove him. He's that isolated. And someone put it really well. I'm not sad for him. I'm sad that we ever had this person as president of the United States, this mess of a human being, this broken soul, this broken personality that millions upon millions of people not only voted for him once, but voted for him twice. (laughs) Yes, 74 million people voted for him a second time. And you just come back to it again and again, you know, what is it with Americans? Um, blindness, uh, identification, kind of a nihilism, burn it all to the ground. Um, if my life isn't great, yours is going to be worse. It's really still confounds me that people are still supporting these people when all but the most deluded must know that this is all, you know, lies and delusions and conspiracies. Yeah, you know, Jen, I'm really glad that you put it in those terms because um as as you and I and many other people have been saying, Donald's a symptom. He's not the he's not the he is a problem, but he is not the cause of right. things, right? So it's elected Republicans who definitely know better, right? They know, for example, that George Santos isn't Jewish, that he's a liar, compulsive, and he's a potentially a thief i he's just the terror and they're going to seat him anyway right so clearly elected republicans republican leadership are the problem but they're the people who continue to vote for and empower the greg abbott's of the world not despite their cruelty not despite the fact that they endangered the lives of of men women and children who were here legally seeking uh, asylum um they like it they like it when white men like greg abbott use their power to uh essentially traffic these people over state lines and dump them in the freezing cold in front of vice president harris's house just because it's fun for them i and that's what worries me more than anything you're right is it and i believe this is the case it is something in the fabric of this country that we have never addressed. And to your earlier point, are we perhaps at this tipping point where on the one hand we have people paying attention, and we've talked about this before, people paying attention to concepts like democracy, people not comfortable with election denial, with the big lie, with insurrection. And then on the other hand, people just being so completely mortified by a party that thinks the best use of their time is to bring back the Benghazi hearings or to make sure that Elon Musk posts naked pictures of Hunter Biden on Twitter. 
It reminds me, and to your point that it has never changed, you know, this was the story of the white South, that political leaders convinced poor whites that as crappy as their lives were because the governance was so bad, they were at least better off than the next people down the rung. And the next people down the rung were people who were not white. And that same mentality has just never changed. You know, there was a great article, I'm going to blank on where it came from, but it was really an in-depth look at how Germany has done dealt with the legacy of the Holocaust, what has become a monument, how they have um, tried to teach that to their children, the inevitable controversies that come across, what's the best way to do it, is the act of making a monument um, itself trivializing. It was a fascinating piece in large part because I said, you know, we don't have these problems because we never did it. We have never taken the legacy of uh, slavery, of the original sin, seriously enough to figure out how to deal with it in a national way. And should anyone bring it up, they're accused of being woke. They're accused of making whites feel bad. You know, the whole lost cause nonsense has continued to this day. And because we've never had this reckoning, there are millions of people who do not believe that there's any legacy of slavery, any legacy of discrimination. Um, and what's more, they don't feel that their actions, you know, frankly matter. Um, they don't see their fellow Americans as anyone other than people just like them. And I dare say, I think our Supreme Court feels the same way. So it's not like they have a great role model in many people. They're elected leaders and their Supreme Court parrots, frankly, some of these um, you know, mindsets and, and mm -hmm. blind spots. But um, I do think, you know, one of my favorite moments of this presidency was when Biden went to Tulsa and mm -hmm. he really told the story of, they weren't race riots, it was massacre in Tulsa. Mass murder. Yep. And people of my age, um, we were never taught this in the schools. I learned about Tulsa relatively recently. In any other country, this would have been a thing. This would have been marked as something that people were taught about. And that's just like the tip of the tiniest, yeah. you know, little smidgen of the iceberg. And it is a sense also that the president does matter and decency does matter. How many People did Biden educate by doing that, by people yeah. saying, hey, what was that all about? I never yeah. learned about that. Um, so I am always torn between, you know, looking at the monumental stupidity, close-mindedness, cruelty, and then seeing how these small episodes do give one hope, do bring some light, um, do make your... Um, conscience um, feel that there is a force of goodness in the world um, and that maybe it will come out on top some of the time at least. So it's, uh, I, I think we're all very torn between a desire for optimism to look at people who are decent in government or who are even extremely skilled. I mean, Nancy Pelosi is 
you know, phenomenal. She has had a career like no other uh, American, certainly no other woman. Um, And seeing what a force for good she has been, how she's changed the Democratic Party, how she's changed the country. And yet she's going to hand over the gavel to these morons um, who are, you know, it would be like the Yankees handing, you know, the bat over to the worst little league bad news bear team, you know, they could find. That's the, the gap in confidence, <laughs> the gap in uh, moral standard. You can't get higher and you can't get lower in American politics, frankly. Right. And I, I think actually, as as you say, the, the hope, lies in in between those two extremes and the beautiful thing about that is we don't even know who the next speaker of the house is going to be but we do know that he probably he is going to be a moron and is going to be terrible (laughs) so thankfully it looks like the margin is well the margin's tiny no matter what it might get smaller depending on what happens with george santos but yes um you know the the basic message there is that leaders matter leadership matters and that is that that is the the only concession i'm willing to make to some some small percentage of of republican voters who put their trust in their leaders with their vote and are told masks are bad vaccines are bad i mean if you trust somebody you're going to listen to them if they're leading your state or your country right and and that's why i i do hope that we're seeing a shift towards that level of understanding in terms of not just policy, but who do we want to be? What what do we want this country to be? Because as you so um, rightly point out, we've never addressed the underlying issues that lead us to this moment. And I, that kind of brings me to Twitter because the, the lack of historical understanding, our refusal to teach American history uh, to everybody <laughs> um, allows for places like Twitter, which claim to be public spaces, to um, spread the hatred. I mean, we saw in the first 12 hours of, of Musk taking over and lifting all sorts of bans, the use of the N-word increased by like 500%. Yes. The instances of anti-Semitism are absolutely through the roof. It has become an unregulated quite frankly nasty place to be and it's not like it was an easy place to be before but you kind of had some sense that there was at least uh, some semblance of understanding the importance of not letting hatred run rampant so um i i think what happens with twitter i know it's not the hugest social media platform but it does matter as an aggregator of news, as a place for community. So I'm wondering like what you see ahead um, and what what is not just necessary, but what's possible there. I start with the observation that Elon Musk is representative of the white genius phenomenon in American history, where we attribute great powers to these people who may have 
frankly, made money by a combination of luck or timing or other things. Inheritance. Um, who don't necessarily have the um, competency in one area that they would like to have in another. And this fascination, this assumption of greatness that we all place in these people, whether it's Donald Trump or whether it's Elon Musk or any other one of these people, that the assumptions we make and the implied goodwill that they have simply because they're white rich guys is really kind of striking. It's stunning. Yeah. That's how Tesla gets to be so completely overvalued that, you know, it can lose 70% when they start figuring out the guy who's leading it is a little bit, you know, whacked. Um, you know, look at the valuation of Tesla. Where does that come from? It's it incredible. comes from this genius phenomenon. It's not worth more than General Motors and Chrysler and a bunch of other companies combined. It's absurd. And now it's worth much less because what is now it's worth much less. So there is a, a consolation price here. But to Twitter, you're exactly right. There used to be a grown-up there, a grown-up at least you could complain to, a grown-up that was trying, however imperfectly, to try to clamp down on kind of the worst of it. Um, and that if things got, you know, really horrific, someone would step in. They actually stepped in um, fairly well um, before the 2020 election, not after um, on January 6th, but before in the run-up. Um, and that was a good thing. But now it's um, become, as you say, this degenerating kind of cesspool. And Elon Musk has this advantage that very few other businesses have, which is that there is not a good competing alternative. And we've all talked about this. If you don't like Starbucks, you can go to, you know, tea leave and coffee, or you can go to, you know, one of the other coffee shops. If you don't like Honda, there's Toyota. If you don't like really any other product, um, there is usually some alternative that you can look to that you say, well, Maybe I liked Starbucks coffee better, but hey, this place is pretty good and I think I can live with it. There is no other Twitter that operates in this same way. Now, it may be because Twitter is an uneconomical platform. It has been losing money for a long time. And that may explain why no one else wants to do one or you know duplicate right. it exactly the same way. But the idea of kind of a public space that has, yes, free speech, um, but not insanity. You know, I, I sometimes think, you know, if this had been, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago in the UK, there would have been BBC Twitter. There yeah. would have been, or PBS Twitter. There would have been a sense that this is a public good. And therefore, we have to invest in it. What a concept. Public good, paying for things that we need, having a modicum of regulation so that the least of us are not the most hurt and the most vulnerable. So that ship, unfortunately, has sailed. There is no PBS Twitter. Um, and um, with the Republicans, there may not even be PBS after <laughs> a few years. Um, so, you know, oh, boy. what do you do? Um, many of us are just 
rooting for him to fail. Um, and frankly, his ability to um, lose money for Tesla by demonstrating his complete unfitness for grown-up dumb um, may be a blessing in disguise. Either mm -hmm. um, he will have to go actually deal with Tesla or he will be forced by investors and others to really limit or even sell um, Tesla and uh, uh, Twitter rather, mm -hmm. um, and thereby, you know, leave us all alone, thank God. Yeah. Um, but he really does, you know, talking about um, the problem is not Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a, a symptom. The same problem is the Elon Musk, the mad, you know, genius, although actually, at one point, maybe he's still, um, you know, I don't think anyone doubts that Elon Musk is a very smart person who can actually do things, um, but who has... I'm not so sure, but... Well, you know, he's PayPal. PayPal actually is a great thing. Oh, that he I built. forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, that was like the best thing he ever did. It's been downhill <laughs> since then. Um, so, um, you know, you've got to wonder is his lifespan as a public figure like Trump have a natural arc that's going to diminish and people are just going to get sick of the, the act and sick of the um, charade and move on. But all these people have the exact same characteristics. You must find this fascinating as someone who studies, you know, um, psychology. They all have the same narcissism. They all have the same affection for right-wing dictatorship. They all have this sense of cruelty. They all have a complete sense of unawareness. I mean, it is remarkable how similar this profile is as you go across all of these people. Um, and, you know, I, I come back to this question, as you put it, what's next or how can it be better or where are we going? And I think, you know, the, there's never one answer. Right. One answer is government should actually do its job, like examining like, yes. what the Chinese are doing in Twitter and how much they've invested and whether they're financial uh, contribution has led to um, some kind of, uh, you know, uh, pattern of behavior. And why isn't Elon Musk perhaps registered as a foreign agent for Russia if he is constantly, yeah. uh, you know, spewing or their Qatar or, or Saudi Arabia? So there is actually a role for government. There's a role for government in monopolies. Uh, policing, in speech uh, policing, in transparency, government do its job. And yeah. obviously, we're not going to get any of that with a Republican Congress. But I would hope if Democrats, you know, have an aspiration to once more control both House of Congress and the White House, that this would become an issue, that we have to begin to take charge of our public spaces, our... yes social media spaces. And there's nothing wrong. There's nothing socialistic about that. There's nothing, you know, inherently anti-democratic. To the contrary, we're now dependent upon the EU to, re to regulate Twitter because we don't do it ourselves. That's okay. how bad it's gotten. So that's yeah. one part of it. Another part of it is individuals have to decide whether they want to buy Teslas whether they want to financially support this person. I think the answer is a resounding no thus far. 
Yes, exactly. So, or fewer and fewer are deciding that they want to supply, you know, uh, him with um, some financial wherewithal. So it's that, it's advertisers, it's, you know, it, it's not a very satisfying answer to say that this is an overdetermined problem and there's no one solution. Um, and there is a little bit of this Alphonse and Gaston routine, you know, you go first government, no, you go first, you know, consumer, no, you go first advertiser. But I think until there is some bright white focus on this, bright light shined on this, nothing's going to be done. And I would yeah. hope that Senate Democrats start having at least hearings on this, at least examining yeah. the funding the transparency, the algorithmic damage that is being done, let them do their job. Um, we actually have hearings, as we learned from January 6th, that can be productive, that we can learn things from, that reveal yeah. facts that are not, you know, something just a blather fest for the people who are on the dais there, but who work to inform and hopefully improve. So I really hope the Senate Democrats do not spend their time simply creating lovely bills that go nowhere because the House um, has um, decided to do nothing and that they don't, um, you know, simply be on defense for Hunter Biden or whoever else, but that they go on offense, that they start doing their jobs more effectively. And yeah. I, for one, was so pleasantly surprised by the January 6th committee made effective, of course, because the Republicans were absent. Yep. Thank you very much, yep. Kevin McCarthy. Um, <laughs> but even with simply a majority in the Senate, you can get stuff done. You yep. can find out information. And I guess that's where I would start for 2023 is let Congress start doing their job. We need transparency. We need to put people under oath. We need to have an, some expert testimony on a whole array of issues. We need to look at the landscape in Europe. What is Europe able to do that we don't? Is that completely incompatible with our First Amendment? Are there things that we can do? And I would like at least to start there. I yeah. know that's naive. I know that's expecting the public sector to actually function. I know it's expecting people to be adults. But, you know, what am I, you know, just a, a wide-eyed optimist. Um, and, and I do think maybe not perfectly, but imperfectly it's possible. Well, listen, we, we can't be in despair all the time. And as you said at the beginning, there were a lot of wins in not just in 2022, but in 2020 and 2021 as well. So, uh, you know, it's, I think that gets lost sometimes when I often think I, I can't imagine, I never would have been able to imagine that things would be worse two years after November, 2020 than they were before November, 2020. But the, I, I think the midterms really did turn that around for me. Um, and, I, I think between that and uh, the extraordinary effectiveness, shortcomings aside, of the work the January 6th Select Committee did, I'd like to think that that Democrats are empowered. I know that enough Democrats, people like uh, Jamie Raskin, for example, understand th the threat to American democracy in a very powerful way. 
And I, I think when, you know, one of, one of the best things that came out of the January 6th committee was that the people involved saw the degree to which um, so many people were willing to destroy this country, to steal an election, and um, that we cannot, and that we're still under that threat. So, you know, if we can regulate broadcast media, so like you can't swear on primetime sitcoms, I find it, I find it ridiculous to say that we can't regulate a media platform, a social media platform that could literally swing the results of elections if left to its own devices. So I, I don't think it's naive. I don't even think it's overly optimistic. But one one other thing you said that that really resonates with me and I think is is what we you and I, because we're just going to solve everything right here, right now. Um, but that seriously, that that democracy loving Americans and uh, democracy, pro-democracy politicians need to do is figure this out on an individual uh, level. So, yes, not only is it remarkable uh, that all of the people who seem to be um, presenting the greatest danger, like Donald and Elon Musk, et cetera, are almost to a person, rich white men, uh, or rich anyway, um, who uh, suffer from serious narcissism and have been given a pass all of their lives. But what do we do about the, the tens of millions of people you mentioned earlier who, because of their own authoritarian leader, leanings, continue to support these people. Um, and that I think that's that's where the shift happens if it happens. It does. And I would add to the good things that are happening and one way to pierce this um, in a really um, closed world is lawsuits. And I am really looking at the Dominion voting lawsuit. Oh, um, so much fun. To hear these Fox News personalities say, oh, yeah, I never believed a thing I was saying on air. Yeah, I just thought my audience were a bunch of dopes. Yeah. This has an educational value, obviously, in revealing what a racket this is. And yep. um, what a money-making, cold-blooded operation it is that would sacrifice democracy, would sacrifice people's lives for the almighty buck. And excuse me, as a child of, you know, a family of immigrants, really, has Rupert Murdoch no appreciation for the country that took him in? Is he really such an ingrate that he could have come to this country, made his millions, had fame beyond his wild imagination, and then turn around and screw democracy? Yes, unfortunately, yeah. he's that kind of person because he's another white crazy billionaire um, who's been given a pass all his life. Um, so there we are. Uh, you know, I think at the as we kind of ease our way into the the next year, I do think that the possibilities you touched on this, like how do we get to people, uh, it's not necessarily going to be all one thing. It's going to happen in smaller ways and yeah. in lots of different ways. Part of what makes their attack on education and educators so scary is that's where we're going to save the next generation. And they get yeah. that. They understand that if they can block out reality from the next generation, then maybe they can hang on. And I think 
we have to really expand our notion of what public education means. It's not necessarily, yep. you know, smoking campaign where there's a bulletin board on, you know, or there's a poster on your bus stop. We have to really think about how we all communicate culturally, socially, politically with other Americans. And again, call me naive, Biden's Christmas message was so unbelievably sweet and really asking us for our better angels to not look at one another as, you know, creepy partisans um, and to do the kind thing, do the right thing. Um, you know, gosh, if we had a million of them, um, a million Bidens as opposed yeah. to a million Elon Musks, uh, we'd be in, you know, much better shape. Um, yeah. But I do think in some sense, we're very lucky to have Biden at this point moment in time yep. um, we were very lucky there is hey to have liz cheney at this moment in time and we were very lucky in some sense to have you know a a functional enough government to make it work and maybe that's kind of what we have to shoot for functional enough a yep. at least one house able to have hearings, at least a yes. president able to communicate a sane message. And you know, we'll stumble along and stumble through. And politics is always at the margin. It's a one mm -hmm. or 2% shift. And suddenly yeah. the Democrats really do have um, both houses and the White House. So working at the margins for good enough, I know this sounds like such low expectations, but isn't a whole life like this? Well, no, I, no. uh, D.W. Winnicott, a, psych, a British psychologist, uh, came up with the concept of being a good enough mother. You didn't have to be perfect. You needed to be present when you could be. You didn't, you know, as long as you weren't awful, you just needed to be good enough. So I think that's, I think that's a really good way of looking at it because um, if you're good enough, then you can get better. And we see, you know, there are problems. I, we prioritize the wrong thing. Uh, we, uh, you know, in this country, Fox News makes money or uh, people like, sorry, Fox News, I don't think does make money, but Rupert Murdoch makes money because people like scandal and people like cruelty and, and you know, same thing with Musk. Uh, or at least, um, you know, it generates attention. Yeah. Uh, in ways that being kind doesn't for, you know, which is, which is a, something about the human condition, I guess we need to figure out. But uh, if, if we, as you say, focus on the fundamentals, um, we can, you know, I don't think we can change a lot in the short term, but we can educate people to understand why education is so important, why we need to teach our children history and and civics, not during junior year in high school, but throughout their lives. Exactly. So they feel connected to the political process and really understand what it means in their day to day lives to be part of that process. Uh, we need to teach media literacy and, and critical thinking. So that's that's good. And we need to respect the profession of teaching, yes. uh, just as we need to start telling, reminding people to respect the profession of, of doctors and scientists and all of that other stuff. And 
along with that, we will have we have already examples in what happens when you don't do any of that. Like Florida is a perfect uh, closed lab of what happens when you have in charge somebody who disdains any of what we were just talking about. So maybe those two things together will function in the same way. You know, a, a Democratic-led Senate doing good things is juxtaposed against a Republican-led House, which is just basically be clowning itself at every opportunity. I've always wanted Democrats to run ads in red states saying, why is your state so cruddy? You yeah. can be like us. Yeah. Why do you put up with this? Yeah. You could have a public education system that works. You too could have public transportation. You too could have good health. What's the matter with you guys? You know, this sense that don't you aspire to something better for you and your children? Come on. Um, and, you know. Can I just maybe, interrupt for a second? Because yeah. I think that that's so important. Democrats need to let people know that they think that fighting for things that are good, fighting for kindness, fighting for education, fighting for fairness and and uh, anti-racism and 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 all of that stuff is worth fighting for as hard as the right fights for hatred and anti-Semitism and misogyny and ignorance. That would be nice, wouldn't it? It would be. And what's even weirder is that we want it because it's those people who would benefit the most. We already have good education <laughs> in Minnesota and Massachusetts. That's not the problem. Um, silly old us, we're trying to improve the lives of people who have rotten governance back home, so um, who have corruption, who have you know, really feeble people like Ron DeSantis running their state. So um, no one expects us to give us a gold star for that. But I just point to the irony of the fact that we care more about them than they care about them. It's um, true. It could, it, like that could be a commercial. It's like, I want you guys to have health care and I want your children to grow up in a safe environment and you want me dead. Yes, All right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, Jen, we're coming to the end of our time together today, and I, I just kind of wanted to ask you uh, before. Well, I have two questions. Um, just quickly, sort of your high, your highlights and lowlights of 2022, and you touched on that a little bit, like, but your one or two biggest ones, and your um, best ex, your how should I put this? The thing you're most looking forward to in 2023. Well, the thing I'm most looking forward to are those criminal indictments of Donald <sighs> Trump. And I think they're coming. I, it's going to be like festivus. It's January be, 6th. I want yes, them. Yes. It's going to be just great when he starts getting those criminal indictments and he has to have a mug shot and all the rest of it. That's going to be glorious. So um, I really am looking forward to that. I think the highlights of 2022 God, it's hard to like as soon as you get used to one year and you learn to like put it we used to say put it on our checks but people don't know what checks are like <laughs> we're on to another year but anyway um in the year gone that uh gone by i have to say um biden rising to the occasion and pushing through a spate of legislation after everyone had written him off and really leading the charge in the run-up to uh, the midterms on democracy was really um, simply a 
great relief, a great source of relief, and a good reminder that the professional pundits and scourges and scolds really don't know um, what's going on any more than the rest of us um, and give people a little bit of credit. So yeah. that would be, you know, the one thing. Yeah. And I think the other highlight, which is both a highlight and a low light, is Ukraine. Um, mm -hmm. What a magnificent people. What bravery, what human determination um, in the midst of hellish conditions, really, the world has not seen since... World War II and worse, um, yeah. you know, these people have sustained themselves and they have a small d democratic president who refers to our legacy. He comes and talks to us about Saratoga, about yeah. uh, our troops on uh, D-Day. I'm sure uh, more people in America now know what Saratoga, the Battle of Saratoga was about than they did before he came. Yeah. Um, so thank goodness for small uh, favors. But I think many people have observed that in helping them and admiring them, we come back to reaffirming our better angels um, and to be on the side of right and decency and freedom uh, for people who are suffering terribly, terribly. Yeah. And so that was both a highlight, I think, and a low light. And um, I guess along with my hope that Donald um, will um, see the uh, criminal justice system up close. My other hope would be that either the Russians get rid of Putin or the Ukrainians get rid of Putin and we yep. move on from this hellish, hellish experience in Europe that we thought was a relic of the 1940s. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you and, and the other it's I, I hate putting it in these terms, but it happens to be true that uh, the situation in Ukraine, which is to say Russia's illegal invasion of a sovereign nation, strengthened uh, the Western alliance uh, in a way maybe nothing else could have, especially after the damage Donald did to it. So, I would you agree. know, right. So I, that's not nothing. Uh, for sure. Um, one last question. You, uh, Jen Rubin, have been an honorary nerd avenger uh, for quite some time now. And I'd, I'd like to make it official. You don't have to answer now. I know it's a very serious thing to contemplate, but I would like to make you officially a nerd adventurer. Uh, if you want, it'll mean more yes. emails from me. All right. Okay. Yes. Awesome. Yes, absolutely. All right. Absolutely. So <laughs> and I have to thank you, you know, and uh, your regular and irregular guests, a voice of sanity, a voice of, uh, intellectual clarity and moral sanity. Um, we all need um, to have that boost and reaffirming um, that we are not the crazy ones. We are not insane. We are not making this up. So thank you. Thank you, Mary, and all of uh, your folks and um, the people that make this program possible and the guests that come on. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. And thank you for your work. I mean, it's it's really been an inspiration for me uh, long before I met you to see your journey, um, because it's it's you know, it's been a tough few years for people uh, to witness what's been going on and and have to make hard decisions uh, that you probably never thought you'd have to make. Right. Uh, so your, your, your journey and your writing, um, always illuminates things for me. So Jen Rubin, again, thank you so much for spending the very last 2022 Mary Trump show with me. 
Uh, happy New Year. And um, you'll be hearing from me much more often now that you're officially a nerd Avenger. Same to you. All right. Stay Bye-bye. safe. Bye. That was fabulous. Thank you so much to Jennifer Rubin, uh, officially now Nerd Avenger, Jennifer Rubin. I, she needs to get business cards that say that. Uh, and thank you to all of you. Um, I I am so grateful to have the show. I'm so grateful to everybody who watches. It really keeps me motivated. It's been um, it's been a tough year. I'm really tired of saying that. Um, I, hold me to this. Um, I don't want to say that next year. Next year, I want to say 2023 was awesome. And I can't wait for 2024. Uh, so as it stands now, I'm very happy to see uh, the back of 2022. But I am looking forward to 2023. We have a lot in store for you here at the Mary Trump Show, uh, about which we will keep you posted. So uh, again, thank you for your time and your commitment to us. Thank you to all of my just amazing guests. I mean, I've had some just incredible people on this show. Uh, and my nerd adventures, whom I love. Uh, so that wraps it up for tonight. Uh, we will be back for the very first Mary Trump Show Nerd Avengers of 2023 on Tuesday. I think it's January 3rd at uh, 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. That's at youtube.com slash Politicon. And uh, I'm actually not entirely sure what's happening on Thursday yet. So I will keep you posted. Um, so, uh, when you are on Politicon's YouTube page, please subscribe to Politicon channel, uh, like the episode, leave a comment there, click on that bell right there, and you will be sure to be notified anytime a new video drops. And of course you can listen to the show anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, etc. not Shopify. We still don't do Shopify and we probably never will. Um, a five-star review would be incredible because it really helps other people find the show. And I think that is it for the show and for 2022. Thank you again so much. And until Tuesday, first of all, happy new year. Uh, don't do anything crazy. Uh, and in the meantime, please stay safe and be kind.